1 Samuel 17, and we're going to see a familiar story here, and most, I think most folks are familiar with. And I got a special prop that I was able to bring in this evening. And I have a friend, Brother George Ramp. Some of you know him. Um, I had a chance to, he came over and helped get my, uh, helped me get our beehive set up in the backyard. And uh, I helped him with his, he helped me with mine, um, showed me how to do it to begin with. But then got to talking and um, I learned that he had visited Israel about 10 years ago or so. And how many of you would like to go to Israel? Has anybody been there before? What, babe? What? Has anybody ever been? Have you? Through a church group or? Wow, really cool. I'd love to, um, oh, I'd love to connect with somebody that is from more familiar that I could learn from and, and go there. Uh, maybe uh, I've reached out to a couple people and it's closed right now uh, for the most part uh, to tourism is my understanding, but I'd love to plan something in the future, a couple years ahead or so. And um, <clears throat> But uh, he told me of a trip that he got to go on. It was a group of mostly minorities in the Chicagoland area that um, Israel had been working with um, for some reason I guess the, the relation with the he the way he made explained it was there was a relation with the oppression and how minor, minorities can sympathize with the oppression that the Jews went through you know with uh, slavery and all that I don't I don't remember all of the facts that he was trying to explain to me but somehow brother George got to go on the trip as well and brother George he worked with uh, the prison systems and jails and and uh, whatnot, different um, uh, ministries like that. Um, Reformers Unanimous Addiction Ministry he's worked with. And so he got to go along on this trip for free. And uh, while he was there, uh, he said the tour guide was just awesome. He knew his Bible in and out. And um, as they were getting shown all over uh, Israel, uh, they were on the bus, and the tour guide said, and this is the Valley of Elah, I believe it is. Can somebody confirm? Um, the Valley of Elah where David and Goliath fought. Let's see here. Um, verse 2. Yes. And so uh, they were on the tour bus, and the tour guide said, and this is the Valley of Elah. This is where David fought Goliath. And Brother George, he, the way he made it sound was pretty cool. He's all, and so I said, is that really where it happened? Could we pull over? And so they pulled over, and, and Brother George was out in this valley, and he said he started picking up stones. He said they probably don't do that because for that fact that tourists will pick up stones, right, if uh, they know that that was the historical side of it. And so I think it was a rare occasion that they got to stop the bus, and he said he went out and he picked 20 stones, and then he said, the next thing you know, the rest of the bus is out there. Everybody hunched over picking up stones. And uh, so he said he was able to bring about 20 of those stones home. And he was looking for smooth uh, stones that could have been used uh, to kill Goliath. And so I said, no, that's, that's pretty cool. And I said, can I, could I have one? You got 20 of them. Could I have one? And he was down to like five or six or so, but he took me in the 
And so the story is that this stone here has come from the Valley of Elah. And we don't know, but this could have been the stone that killed Goliath. And that's just an amazing thought to behold, if you ask me. And so I'm privileged to, for, my, for devotions for the last uh, couple of weeks. I have this right on my table, my uh, end table with my Bible where my Bible is. And I've uh, held this stone in my hand several times. And I thought how, how cool that is. If you're interested, care to hold it um, or look at it. It's still, it's dusty. It's a smooth stone. It seems like it would fit perfectly in a sling if, if uh, I had one. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's a good 50-50% chance that that stone killed Goliath. So <laughs> could be very uh, valuable right there, at least as valuable to me. But it goes right along with the message here this evening. <clears throat> in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse number 1, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and there were gathered together... In uh, at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah. And they set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them that this rock that I have up here is from. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath and of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them why are ye come out to set your battle in array am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul choose you a man for you And let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Skip on down to verse 28. And so some time passed, and uh, then in, in my Bible here, in verse number 17, it said David's, the, there's a little, um, I know these aren't inspired, but it says David's Aaron. David was sent out uh, by his father to bring some, uh, some uh, victuals to um, his uh, brother's as they were out um, supposedly in this battle. But it says they were sore afraid. In verse number 28, so David shows up, and Eliab, his uh, eldest brother, heard when he spake unto them, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for your word. And Lord, how I've heard and read this story time and time again. It never gets old. It's an old story, but it's always, it's always awesome. It's always exciting. It's always neat to consider. And Lord, I pray you'd, you teach us what you have for us, Lord. May we be challenged, Lord, to kill the giants that you've allowed to be in front of us. And, Lord, may we trust in you. May our faith be strengthened as a result, Lord, this evening, perhaps. Uh, may we look to you, have full trust and confidence in you as David did. And, Lord, may you speak to our hearts, meet with us. Uh, in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> of course, it's a familiar story that we read here of a young hero and the early feats of a future king. And uh, the known world at the time was the Philistines. And they had a gargantuan giant that was defying the, uh, the uh, people of God. And for 40 days and 40 nights, I think there's a type of uh, testing there. Uh, 40 is representative um, of testing and, and trials. And, and God allows us to go through those certain things and so that we can, I think, have more confidence and trust in him. And so... David is not the king yet. He is the future, going to be the future king. And, uh, but for 40 days and 40 nights, God allowed this giant to strike fear in the, in the hearts of his, his people. Have you ever heard the, the, uh, the phrase, um, paralysis by overanalysis? I think that's very well what could have uh, taken place here in uh, this story. We'll talk about the fear factor shortly, but... Uh, during this time, some thousand years before the birth of Christ, God was calling and empowering men uh, to do the work of God by his power and by his strength. Uh, there were some hundreds of thousands of, of Israelites at this time uh, on the one side of the valley, and there were many men on the other side of the valley, the, the Philistines. And they refused, the Israelites refused to obey uh, and God, have faith in him, have trust in him, and go out and kill that giant that was defying their God. Well, today, some 3,000 years after this event and 2,000 years after Christ resurrected and he has given us all power, the Bible says, he is still calling and he is still wanting to use men uh, and women, I say that in the general sense there, men, uh, to do his work and to follow his will and his calling in our lives on a daily basis. And I'm not just talking about some great uh, uh, mission or some great, uh, some, you know, one-time event or one-time calling, but God brings these giants into our lives, uh, even sometimes, I think, on a daily basis. And he wants us to have faith and confidence in him to, to face those giants, I want to ask you this evening, are you listening to God? Are you listening to his call to have faith in him? Well, for 40 days and 40 nights, the, the bickering and the battling went back, or the so-called battling went back and forth. 
there was no action being done. There was, there was nothing taking place except the, the, the paralysis by the over-analysis on the side of the Israelites. And I, I, uh, I would like to say this as well. I think there was fear on both sides uh, because, uh, you know, the giant, uh, he didn't exactly destroy Israel either. Um, what do I want to ask you this evening? Are you listening to the call? Are you being obedient uh, to face the giant, uh, perhaps, that the Lord has in front of you uh, today and will have in front of you tomorrow? I want to ask you this evening, will you be a David for the cause of Christ? And so this evening, the title of the message is this, uh, why they didn't answer the call, why they didn't answer the call. And so I want you to notice with me some reasons why these Israelites uh, failed to answer the call. Number one, they were overanalyzing the enemy. I believe they were overanalyzing the enemy. Look with me at verse number four of chapter 17. It says, There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. The Bible goes into great detail describing the armor, describing the weaponry uh, that this giant uh, uh, possessed. And so it goes into great detail here. I'll break, I'll break it down here into uh, English, I guess, uh, shortly. But uh, it says he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the spear's head uh, weighed 600 shekels of iron. One bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose ye a man for you and let him come down to me. Well, let me break down these measurements here. It's recorded that um, Goliath, now different versions of the Bible say certain things. If you, didn't, if you didn't know that and didn't understand it, it's got different measurements for some of, the, some of these uh, uh, um, weapons that, that he possessed. Well, <clears throat> Goliath was approximately nine foot six inches tall. Nine foot six inches tall. Sammy, Sammy mentioned that, I think, just this past week, actually. Uh, nine foot six inches tall. How tall are you, Brother Dave? Six, seven. He would, Brother Dave, guys, young people, Brother Dave would have been a runt compared to Goliath. Can you imagine David in the sight of Goliath? I don't have the uh, measurements of David. That would, have been, that would have been good to have. Does anybody know that? I think the average Jew is like 5'6", somebody said. And so uh, uh, Goliath, 9 foot 6 inches tall. Some say his coat of armor weighed 156 pounds. 156 pounds. That's probably, uh, that's, that's, that's less than me, but that is a good amount of, uh, of armor there, uh, of weight. His spear was 26 feet long and had the head of the, head of the spear was approximately 17 pounds, 17 pounds. And so you get a visual of this and this giant that would come out and defy the armies of the living God of, of, of uh, Jehovah. And, uh, but one of the things that he said was, I, I defy you, you servants of Saul. Well, ultimately he was denying the Lord Jehovah. And so why didn't these hundreds of thousands of Jews, uh, 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 
they just kept looking at him with fear and, and paralysis. And, and why didn't they answer the call? Why didn't they, why didn't they gang up on this guy and just go at him and somebody, you know, knock, go behind him? You see the, the cartoons and stuff. The guy goes and gets on his knees behind the guy and another guy pushes him over and he falls backwards. Why didn't they do something like that and just attack that giant or something? Well, the Bible says they were scared. They were scared. I believe they were overanalyzing the enemy. I wonder what enemy, I wonder what giant may be in your life right now that, that uh, you are paralyzed by the overanalyzation of that. And Satan has got a, a grip of fear upon you and you just keep thinking about it and meditating on it and, and going over the fear factor of it over and over and it's caused you to be paralyzed. Is there something in your life right now that, that God is, or not God, but the, Satan has got that paralysis in your life? You know that you need to take a, a step of faith and move forward uh, for the cause of Christ in order to overcome that. I wonder what that might be, if there's something in your life right now or in the future what that may be. Why didn't anybody kill that giant? Because they were scared. I believe we ought to use our brains, we ought to think through things and, and use logic, but there comes a time in our lives and in the situations that we face where ultimately and definitely the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. And so this evening, by the grace of God and by having faith in God, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, what is that before you? Maybe it's nothing right now, but there will be something. There will be a giant that God allows you to face, and he wants you to have faith in him as you face that giant and get the victory. And to many people, fear keeps them from serving God. Fear keeps them from being obedient to God's clear calling and God's clear leading in their lives for, uh, for whatever the situation, fear of loss. Fear of failure, fear of being hurt, fear of rejection, even fear of death. But I want to encourage you this evening. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And with the calling comes the enabling. And as we have faith in God, it allows us to magnify him in our lives and watch him come through. One of the reasons I like faith promise. What is faith promise? It is its dependence upon God. It's realizing that I don't have the resources, but God does. And by faith, I'm going to try to be, I'm going to be obedient and watch God provide in the situation. You've probably heard this quote before. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. What that means is you're right with God and right standing and walking with God. If, if God has laid something upon your heart, if God has given you a command of his, man, he's going to see you through it. When that fear comes knocking on the door from the devil, let faith answer the door. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I think they didn't answer the call because they were overanalyzing the enemy. They were scared of the giant. They had it all up in their mind. It was all in their head. This giant here, we can't, we can't destroy that giant. We can't win against that giant. We're just five foot six little 
people. That giant is nine foot six. He's got an advantage over us. Look at his armor there. I can't even lift up his armor. I can't even pick up that spear. Well, 17 pounds, I could pick up the, the beam of it. I couldn't throw that thing. It'd be like a, like a heavier than a javelin, right? They were paralyzed with fear. They didn't answer the call because they were paralyzed. I wonder what giant we may be overanalyzing in our lives. I want to encourage you to get in there, go after that giant with faith in God, attack that giant for the cause of Christ. Why didn't they answer the call? They were overanalyzing the enemy. Number two, they thought they were already involved, perhaps. In verse number 19, the Bible says, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, and it says they were fighting with the Philistines. Now, they were out there on the field, and, and, and that's, that's better than nothing, I suppose, but they weren't addressing the priority. What's the priority? What is the, what is the goal that needed to be accomplished to where the Israelites would have been declared the victors? What needed to, be hap what needed to happen? Kill the, kill the giant. And so they were, they were going back and forth and, and uh, fighting with each other, fighting the Philistines, it says. But, man, address the giant, kill that giant, and the victory's won. Well, there was a whole lot of talking, perhaps, and, and uh, then David showed up, and, and David saw what was going on there, and he said, is there not a cause? He says, don't just talk about it, let's be about it. I want to encourage you this evening. I, I believe we ought to choose our battles. I believe we ought to, we ought to prioritize what is it that uh, we are set, that, man, we're, we're dogmatic about. I'm willing to fight for this situation. Could be doctrine. Definitely family. Yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, we battle not against flesh and blood and, and, and that, but I think of, man, I, I, I like to say I'd be willing to fight for my church, bless God, whatever that means. <laughs> but uh, why didn't they answer the, the call? They were overanalyzing the enemy. I think, number two, they thought they were already involved in the battle. I think about this in regards to God giving us the great commission to reach the world some 2,000 years ago. You know, we need, to, we need to frequently be reminded what our priority, what our goal is, what our commission is as a local New Testament church. Amen? And we were reminded of that uh, during the, the, the month of March for our March Missions Month. And, and uh, we ought to be frequently reminded, praise the Lord, for Eric getting saved today and and uh, that's the, the, the heartbeat of God is, is to seek and to save that which was lost. And praise the Lord for the new name written down in glory. But it doesn't just end today. Hey, we got one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Brother Dave. Thanks for being soul conscious. And, and I believe we have a, a church of soul conscious people. But, man, that's our job till he calls us home. We're, we ought to, we're, we're to keep at it. Well, I think uh, when... Uh, Christ ascended in uh, Mark 16, 15. He gave the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I, I read and I understand that uh, after he told the disciples to go, I understand that they went approximately 70 miles on that go. They didn't exactly reach the world with the gospel there. 
uh, as a result of being obedient to that command. 70 miles is approximately the distance uh, from Portage, Indiana to Elkhart, Indiana. From Galilee to Judea is about 70 miles. They weren't obeying, so, so uh, God brought persecution amongst them. And, and as a result of that persecution, if you're familiar, that's how they were scattered uh, preaching the gospel to all the world. And, and that's how a majority of the uh, early churches were started as a result of the persecution. They didn't go. They weren't obedient to the call. And so God allowed the persecution in their lives. I wonder what persecution God needs to bring us as Christians before we're fully obedient to, 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 to the call of what he's commanded us to do. I hope it doesn't happen, but I, I, I see, you know, you can see in different situations, different circumstances. I think of the, uh, the Chinese crew that was here uh, doing our sighting. I think of, I think of the, uh, this truth in that regards. You know, uh, yeah, I understand that uh, China can be a closed country for the most part, and, and there's persecution there, and it's communist and, and all that, but uh, do you ever think that maybe God brought them over here somehow? God fully knew that they would get the gospel spoken to them and, and that uh, some would, would call upon him and, and be saved, but, but I think just an awesome uh, circumstance by the providence and hand of God to bring us a crew of Chinese people that would do the sighting on the Life Point Baptist Church because, because he, uh, I like to think because he knew that we would share the gospel with them. By the grace of God, we were able to call uh, a, a Chinese-speaking man, a, a Mandarin-speaking man over here, and, and we were able to provide a lunch, a meal for those Chinese workers, and they got to hear the gospel, and they got saved. Well, I think that... Uh, these Israelites could have very well thought they were in the battle. You know, I can imagine people getting their uniforms or their, their, their armor all shined up and ready for battle. You know, you always got the prima donnas and things. But, but I think about that. I think about how they, they, they thought they were in the battle, but if they killed Goliath, then the battle would have been won. They'd have had the victory. I think they thought they were already involved. And as Christians, we need to prioritize we need to refocus very frequently. Man, is what I'm doing, is what I'm doing top priority? I think of, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have scheduled times at our, at our church that I try to, I, I try not to, we've tried not to put, you know, you need to be here every Saturday so that we can go out and share the gospel in our community. But we've, we've basically uh, put it one time a month. And, and uh, man, I... I, my prayer is that our church family would understand that we're trying to make opportunities. I know you don't have to just show up on Saturday uh, to give the gospel. You can do it throughout the week and all that stuff. But, man, it's really special when an entire church uh, is, is able to get together and then go out into the highways and hedges and be a witness for the cause of Christ. It's really an exciting thing. It builds momentum and excitement. And so the second Saturday of each, uh, of each month, we... We schedule the time to do that because we want to we keep priority and keep focus on the main thing, getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. I think they already thought they were involved. I think they already thought they were involved in the battle. I wonder this evening, are you in the battle? Are you consistently in the battle? 
Are you consistently giving the gospel out? We got gospel tracks. We make those available. It's an opportunity. A gospel track is a, is a, it's a, it's a tool to ease discomfort. It's a tool to share the gospel conveniently and easily. Man, through a drive through leave it at a gas pump, leave it in a restroom, leave it in a restaurant with a nice tip. It's an opportunity to get the gospel out. Are you sowing the seed? Are you sharing the gospel? It's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that saved you. And it's only the gospel that will save anybody. It's the gospel that saved Eric. I think they already thought they were in the, va- the, the, the battle. A third reason I see that I think they didn't answer the call because there was no motivation. There was no motivation. Look at verse number 25. There actually was motivation, but they weren't motivated. In verse 25, it says, And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him... The king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free of Israel. And uh, Saul was going off and he was, he was like, man, I'll, I'll give you my daughter. If you kill this guy, I'll give you my daughter. I'll make you free. You don't have to be a servant to me. You can, you can have all these freedoms and all these goodies here. Great promotion was going on. If somebody would step up and, and kill that, uh, that giant. He was using all kinds of tactics, and he said, I'll give you great riches. I'll give you my daughter. You'll be free forever. It wasn't enough that somebody would do the right thing for the sake of doing right. Just having faith in God. I know it's easy for me to say. I like to think that if I was there, I'd have been having faith in God. But um, we see here that uh, there was not much motivation amongst the children of Israel till this shepherd boy came along and, and he saw what was going on and he saw firsthand how God had provided and worked in his life before and he had faith uh, because he had faith in his past. A third reason they didn't answer the call, there was no motivation. But I want you to see this evening and we'll be finished right here. Why? Why out of these hundreds and thousands of Israelites, why was it that perhaps five foot six shepherd boy that wasn't even at the battle to begin with, he was just over taking care of some sheep and his dad called him and said, hey son, would you go and bring your brothers some, uh, some cheeses here and, and take them some food? And when the shepherd boy showed up, he had faith in God. Why did, why did God use him? I want to say this, I I, uh, believe we can draw, we can deduct from this passage that uh, David had a servant's heart. Why did God choose David? Why does God use anybody? Uh, I think largely God uses people that have servant's hearts. In verse number 32, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And so David said, I'm a servant. He, he, he called himself a servant, and, and we understand that he had a servant's heart, and, and he had a shepherd's heart as he was a shepherd boy. And throughout David's life, he served. He served as a shepherd, and he served, as a, uh, he served the king and the people, and he served God, and God is looking for servants. 
He says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. James 4, uh, verse 6 says this, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I believe David was used of God. Uh, God used David to slay that giant because he was a servant of the Most High. He was a servant of God. David spent his life serving the Lord. A second reason I believe God chose David is, number two, because of his past accomplishments. Because of his past accomplishments. Because of his past accomplishments through his servant. In verse number 34, look with me, if you will, at the passage here. It says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God." David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And that's exactly what happened. And I want to say this and, and deduct from this here that when you spend your time as a servant, you're going to have some valuable past experience that will give you some confidence into the future. Amen. What do you? What do you? Uh, what does an employee uh, employer look for? Oftentimes, in an employee, do you have some experience? Well, David had that experience by the grace of God and through the grace of God, and God used him as a result of that. And God looked at uh, David. Looked at his past accomplishments that God used through him. And uh, David said, "Man, if God can can uh, help me uh, kill a lion." Certainly, he can help me kill a giant. If uh, God can help me kill a bear, he can help me kill this guy. It's just a bigger uh, animal, not a, quite as hairy maybe, uh, but uh, God can use me to kill that uh, beast right there as well. Past accomplishments can give you faith into the future. Past accomplishments of watching God come through and provide in your life can give you faith into the future. Why did God choose David? Because of past accomplishments, perhaps. Because he had a servant's heart. And then lastly this evening, because there was an opportunity. Because David had the opportunity. I wonder what opportunities there are right now that God wants to use you to accomplish a victory in. I don't know. Maybe there's nothing. I... I, I find that hard to believe. Maybe just, just a little something. Maybe teaching that class. Maybe uh, helping out in that class. Maybe, maybe uh, volunteering some way in your local church in some capacity. I, I, uh, I don't know that I can do that. With, God, with the calling comes the enabling. 
Maybe, uh, man, I, I'm not good at uh, sharing the gospel. I'm not good at soul winning. I'm not outspoken like that person or you, Pat. Man, I'm not outspoken. I have a hard time witnessing sharing the gospel with people. It doesn't come easy to me. It, it takes a lot of, man, I, I overanalyze and overthink. Sometimes I've been thinking, man, I, I really need to witness that person. I really want to share the gospel with them. And I'm thinking, oh, they're, I'm, I'm scared of them. Oh, they're going to reject me. They're going to think I'm an idiot. They're going to they're think this about me. And then finally, there have been times where I've overcome that fear by the grace of God. And then I've given them the gospel and they've gotten saved like that. Like, what were you so scared about, you chicken? What is wrong with you? Thinking, that was, they got saved so easily, it seemed like. And then there have been other times where I've given the gospel. I'm like, man, why didn't you get saved? I, I want to, I want to, almost getting frustrated. Why don't you get saved? You know, Brother Dave and I had a hard case sometime. He didn't, still hasn't gotten saved. And I'm thinking, man, why, it's right there. Why don't you understand it, you know? But, um. But I wonder, I wonder what God wants to use you to do. I'm just giving different scenarios, different circumstances, how God may want to use you somehow, some way. Maybe it's that loved one that you know God has put it in your heart that, that, that you need to witness to. You're concerned about their soul, and, but you just don't know how you're going to do it. Somebody came up to me recently, and, and uh, they, they, they were concerned. I know who it was. They were concerned and they wanted to share the gospel with somebody and they took one of the tracks in the back and they said, I want to I want to witness to this person. I forget all the details about it. And they said, can I just go through the, uh, the, and read that to them? And, and I said, yeah, and there's even, there's a sample prayer there that you could encourage them to pray, to call on the Lord if they, uh, if they wanted to. And you can kind of use that as an outline and and they left encouraged. I don't know the, the details of the results, if they had the meeting yet or not, but, but, uh, but maybe God has put it on your heart. You, you, you need to have the, the, the faith to share the gospel with that loved one. Who else is going to do it if you don't? One day David was out being a servant, and his dad approached him and said, Son, go take your brother some corn and some bread and some uh, ten cheeses and see how your brother's fare." David learned that there was a battle going on and he saw the opportunity for God to get a victory and he took full advantage of it. He had faith in God and he went out by the grace of God and I want to close here with uh, just kind of illustrating what happened here. There's never been an opportunity like there is today to get a victory for God. 7.6 billion souls in this world and more than half of them had never heard the gospel. Would you go? Would you tell them? Uh, we're, we're commanded to go. We're commanded to give so others can go. We're commanded to provide so that others can go. Maybe God wants you to go to that foreign land. Would you go so that others, uh, uh, would you give so that others can go? 327 million souls in America. Would you go and tell them? You don't just have to go somewhere else and do it. We can do it here. God wants us to do it here. Maybe God wants you to start that next church, perhaps. I don't know. Would you give so that others could do it as well? God is looking for that vessel. God is looking for that vessel that he can use, that he can get the glory, that vessel that doesn't have confidence in himself, that vessel that, that has a, 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 a lack of faith, perhaps, that God can fill and use and so that he can get the glory through it. 
God's not looking for some overly confident person that says, oh, I can do it, I can handle this. And that's not how David accomplished the task. David had faith in God and accomplished the task. That's how it happened. And this is an amazing story of a boy and his faith in God. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, that giant came out into the land and defied God and Israel. And for 40 days, a giant refused to bow to the king. Is Hudson in here? You sleeping? Snoozing? Who's, our short, who's the shortiest shorty in here that's awake? See awake? Do I need to yell and wake him up? No. Kidding. Why don't we use a hey? Uh, we'll 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 do Canaan. Come on up here, brother Dave. Could you come up here? Canaan, come up here. <clears throat> forty days and forty nights, the giant refused to bow to the king, and one day, an obedient boy exercised his faith. And he got that giant to bow. And so, of course, we're going to have Canaan represent David. And you know the story, the Bible says that uh, Saul tried to dress David up in his, in his, uh, in his armor. And uh, he put a helmet on him. <laughs> Keep it on you, Kay. And he gave him his shield and he gave him his sword. And look, I want you to face the giant here. Right here's your giant. That's your giant, okay? Keep your helmet on. Actually, he didn't have, he didn't have all this on. Yeah, David says, man, David said, I haven't proven these things. And so it was actually David took all those things off there. And, and uh, all he had, he went out, and what did he do? He picked up those five smooth stones there. I was trying to rig this up here so he could spin it around. But uh, we won't do that, okay? <laughs> Why don't you just... <laughs> Just do this, okay, buddy? Do this. Spin it around like a terrible towel, okay? For 40 days and 40 nights, <clears throat> the giant refused to bow. And then one day, an obedient boy, he exercised his faith in God and got that giant to bow. And I want you to look with me at these last verses as we, as we finish here. In verse number 46, it says, uh, David is speaking here. He says this. This boy said this. Come here. David, look at verse number 46 as we finish. I want you to see the words here. I've, I've, uh, I've shared this passage before, I know, uh, maybe even in here, but, um, uh, but I want you to read it carefully with me. This day, this is the, this is the confidence uh, in uh, the shepherd boy, not in himself, but the confidence that he had in his God. He says, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Hence, he took off the armor there and put it off to the side. He says, I haven't proven this stuff. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, and it says, and he came to pass when... Uh, the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone. You can hold this, okay? 
hold the stone, David, and don't throw it, though, and slaying it. This one, you got you to be specific with this one, just like some of our other ones in here. Um, and, uh, and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. And so the Bible says, you're going to go enact it with me, right? All right, uh, let's do this. So the Bible says, man, they didn't just stand, David didn't just stand there on one side like they did when they were battling for 40 days and 40 nights. It says the giant started, he started running down, and then uh, David saw what was going on, and then he took out the stone, and he put it in his uh, sling there, and it said they ran towards one another, and okay, act like you're going to throw, oh, this is what I want you to do. Walk kind of fast and act like you're, gonna, you're slinging a stone with this, okay? And then act like you sling it at the giant, and the giant is going to let it sink into his head. He's going to fall to the ground. And then which way are you going to fall, giant? Forward. All right. Go ahead. And act. <laughs> yeah, it goes even further. And so that's enough. That's enough. Come over here. Let me just read it. Let me just read it one more time, and we'll be finished. It says, And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, the, the laws of physics don't, uh, laws of physics wouldn't, wouldn't let it happen like this. You understand that, right? For the most part, my understanding, that if this giant was coming forward and this kid was going towards him and that stone slunk the, the the chances are that that stone as it sunk into his forehead was going to allow that giant to fall probably backwards is what I would conclude but we see the providence and the hand of God that as the stone sunk into his forehead the Bible says he fell upon his face nobody could get that giant to bow save God through his servant boy David, David accomplished a victory for the cause of Christ that day. Thanks, Brother Dave. You're a good sport, man. <laughs> and you can stay up here, uh, David. God used a boy named David to get that giant to finally bow down to him. I wonder what he wants to do with us individually. God's got a giant for each and every one of us, maybe sometimes multiple giants in the, in the, in the coming days or in the future, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on some of these giants and that, uh, that if we don't conquer those giants that God allows in our lives, they'll just keep coming around, they'll just keep coming back, they can even haunt our, our families into the future, and so I want you to consider why they didn't answer the call. You can go sit by mom, okay? Thanks, buddy. So why didn't they answer the call? I think they already thought they were involved. I think they were overanalyzing the enemy. The Bible says they were scared. Why did God use uh, David to, to accomplish that feat? Because he was available. He was a servant. And uh, God wanted to get a victory. God saw that he could get the victory through that humble servant for his glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for these powerful truths that are in your word, God. I 
Thank you for 